He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined on this fine Thursday afternoon. I guess it's less fine where you're at, right? It's really coming down over yeah, there. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty miserable, actually. <laughs> so I have not been outside yet today. I have not touched grass, as I often encourage you to do. I have not touched grass <laughs> today. Um, but it is, yeah, it's looking out the window here in front of me. It's pretty miserable. It's gorgeous here. Like cool. it is 68 degrees yeah, and cool. the sun mm-hmm. is out. Awesome. I'm going to go yeah. out and do the lawn probably later today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a ton going on though. Uh, I'm a little nervous to go out and do the lawn because there is so much stuff that is flying around right now. So um, around the Lakers universe that I, I should specify. Okay. <laughs> um, today on the show, we're going to be talking about um, some of the stuff that I said uh, two days ago. And then said again yesterday with Sabrina. And uh, now we got some potential new information on the Darvin Ham front. Um, so we're going to be talking about whether he could turn this season around. Uh, we've had two subtweets of uh, potential subtweets of the Lakers and of potentially Darvin Ham. So I want to talk to Aaron about how organizations typically take those things into account. And uh, as you and I are recording, Aaron, we are like a week and two hours, basically, right, from uh, yep. the trade deadline. So um, we are going to be discussing uh, the, le- the 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 most up to date information that I can relay to people um, about that trade deadline and about what uh, the market the, is looking the, like. The, Sham- the Shams Irwin, we're doing, we're doing Shams Irwin. Well, we're, 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 uh, you got a couple of Irwin bombs. It's like I've said, I said to Jake and I said it to Scotto. And I hope you guys checked out both of those episodes. Both of those guys are really, really good at this stuff. I'm just dipping my toe in. Like, yeah, okay. I'm just like, you know, dipping my toe into reporting and stuff like that. It is uh, it is a brand new venture on my part. One that apparently you guys are really enjoying. Um, you guys being the audience uh, and, and my Twitter following and all that stuff. Uh, so thank you to everybody who has uh, stopped by and Check this stuff out. If the, if you are new around these parts, please do hit that subscribe button. If you are listening to this in, in audio form, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, preferably Odyssey. And uh, and yeah, this is something that you and I do every week, Aaron. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're falling into a bit of a routine. I have some uh, fun stuff that I'm working on here across the rest of the channel as well um as this thing grows so let's keep things moving in that direction um a heads up to everybody Uh if you guys enjoy your and my conversations aaron you and i i believe are going to be on playback tonight watching lakers celtics with an audience playback.tv slash all access lakers Yes, correct. Assuming my sister does not is not in the hospital also that. giving birth. Yeah. So assuming, <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's we're getting it's getting close. So yes. Shout All out right. to my sister. I will be there. Yes. Maybe Aaron. Probably Raj. Probably Shah. Probably Rome. 
And then after the game, Raj and I are going to be uh, live here in the lounge, breaking down what we saw from the Lakers and Celtics. All right. Um, with all of that uh, homework done behind us. Yes. Jack Gingrass is writing or is wondering, what are the chances Vando starts tonight? Oh, this is uh, off of a, a question from Twitter, or excuse me, X. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, like um, I, I don't have enough on this to report it definitively, but there is some momentum behind Vando potentially starting in there being a lineup change um, in the near future. Now, again, just like I said last time, this is something that changes over the course of the day sometimes. <laughs> So I am not reporting this. I'm saying that there is a chance, you know, do the dumb and dumber thing. So you're saying there's a chance uh-huh. um, that the Lakers will roll out the lineup that uh, started last year and route to the Western conference finals. And that actually is where I kind of wanted to start here, Aaron. Okay. I said, uh, and I reported a couple days ago that I think Darwin has lost the locker room. Like that. I don't think, that he can get it back. What I would add to that is um, if he is going to try to get that locker room back, this is where you kind of have to start, right? This is where like in trying to get back a bunch of guys who have been wondering all season, why he hasn't rolled with them in the way that he rolled with them through the Western conference playoffs last year. Um, if he is going to make an effort to regain their trust, I feel like this specific move going back to the to, to the starters from last year's Western Conference playoffs run is where you have to start. There's a lot here. Um I don't know who's going to start tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have an idea, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but I don't know who's gonna and to to your point earlier, um Darwin does change his mind on these things periodically, um, even during the course of a day. So we don't have a definitive answer. I'm not telling you you're wrong because I don't think you're wrong, but uh, things can change. Um, I have been confused for quite some time um, as to why that lineup hasn't been tried. Um, I'm not convinced it'll work, but I am convinced that if you are searching for something, and you are searching for kind of a baseline to build off of, I don't understand not trying that because it did. I think how well it worked is overstated last year. Um, And in saying it's the lineup that got them to, you know, from the 13 seed to the plan and then to the seven seed and then um, to the Western conference finals. I think it is that that is an oversimplification. And I, I, I see that a lot. I'm not saying you, but I see that a lot. You know, this is the lineup that got them X, Y, and Z, kind of. Um, yeah. LeBron was out for a lot of that time leading up to the playoffs. Um, uh, D'Lo was out for a lot of that time. Vando, once the playoffs started, Vando played less and less and less. So I think it's overstated to say that that lineup is um, the the lineup that X, Y, and Z, but I don't understand not trying it because it it did. It was a successful lineup 
last year. So I did, I have not understood not trying it. If, if the Lakers had a lineup that, you know, because Vando started the year hurt, if the Lakers had a lineup that had been successful, then like great. But the Lakers have been trying all sorts of combinations and it's been surprising to me and kind of baffling to me that that one hasn't been tried. So I do think that if you are right, and I'm not saying that you are right, but if you are right that Darvin has lost the locker room, that, in my opinion, is not something you can get back. If if you are correct and it is gone, then it's gone, period. Um, could next year be a with a different, you know, uh, every year, every season in the NBA is different. So that could be a thing where, you know, some, some off-season work and then a new mix next year. Um, I think you can get it, but during the season, this season, if, and I'm not saying you're right, but if you are correct in saying that the he has lost the locker room, I don't think a line of change gets that back. Like once that goes, right, whatever the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's not going back in this season. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it is inherent to the term lost, right? That you don't get something back when you lose it you know um you could try to find it you can look for those things and you can make efforts to get those things back i i just think you know i i keep going back to um somebody texts me like oh wow you know christian wood is 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 subtweeting the coaching staff uh that feels like the beginning of of the revolt the public revolt and i'm like that's not normally the beginning of something. If it reaches that point, stuff has been bubbling all season. And that's what I've been reporting all season is that there has been stuff going on in the, in behind the scenes where a lot of these guys are just really unhappy. Um, even given their expectations coming into the season, um, you know, like Christian Wood didn't come into the season thinking that he was going to start and play 30 minutes a night, but you know, it was funny. He was like, no, I didn't, I wasn't subtweeting the lineup change there, but by the way, I would like to play a little bit more. Like It was just, it was a hilarious exchange with reporters there. Um, and I think that, I think that like the thing that I keep coming back to with, with these guys and with professional athletes in general is they are creatures of habit. They want mm -hmm. to know night in, night out what they can get ready for. And that's not all that realistic for guys one through 15, right? There is going to be some movement. There are going to be adjustments that are made over the course of a season. And at the top of the roster, there's a lot more stability in terms of, you know, who, uh, you know, LeBron and AD, I think kind of know what they can get themselves ready for on a nightly basis. And then it kind of trickles down from there. There's a little bit more volatility as you go down the roster from there, but there's been volatility from, for everybody basically other than Tory and Prince this year after LeBron and AD. And I think that that volatility has really kind of worn on these guys. And yeah, it's, it's altogether possible um, that if the, if Darwin has lost the locker room, then it is just gone. And, you know, a choice would need to be made by the front office on whether they try to save this season in that regard. If, this season is going to be saved though for Darvin Ham. And if those vibes are going to be saved um, as it pertains to Darvin standing in the locker room, I think a lot of work needs to be done 
And I think a lot of it needs to be like rebuilding that bridge to that core from last year because it is such a big part of his locker room, right? It is, it's, it's, you know, six guys who played real roles in last year's run. Max was also there, um, didn't really play much in the, in that playoff run, but it's those six guys. That's, you know, almost half of your locker room and, and it's, you know, half of more than half of your rotation. And, you know, if you are going to convince these guys, all right, look, my bad, whatever has happened this season, I used, um, I used the comparison in yesterday's show with, uh, Sabrina about uh of of Gordon Bombay and D2 the Mighty Ducks. Did you ever see that movie? It's no. like it's hockey. That sounds so like white. that sounds like white I, that sounds like white people shit. No, I never it, see it, that. It is. I mean there was a couple black guys in it, but it was Gordon it was definitely... Bombay. <laughs> is that an actor or a character? It's a character. Well, okay. you never saw even the original Mighty Ducks? No, I never seen that shit. No. Okay. Well, all right. Quick, I mean, I know like, the I know the I know the like general idea of it, I think. Yeah. But... No, so in, in the in the original Mighty Ducks, yeah. Gordon Bombay is this like big time lawyer who had a hockey career, but um, okay. got hurt or something like that, became an alcoholic, got pulled over for a DUI and was okay. ordered to do community service. And he does this community service by coaching this young hockey team. That's okay, a so bunch he's of the coach. Like, got it. Yeah. Island okay. of Misfit Toys hockey team. So he yeah. coaches this. Okay. It, uh, it's this it's this he's this coach of this Island of Misfit Toys hockey players. They go on this run. They win their city championships, all this stuff. And then for some reason in the second movie, they were like, okay, you are going to represent the country in this, like, in this, like, yeah, no, like they, they're like, they're like these, like mining, these, like, these, like, uh, you know, uh, kids Olympics thing that, that is taking place. Kids (laughs) Olympic thing. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like, this seems seems ill-conceived. Well, you know, money grab sequels t- typically are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But so, right. um, so they they like represent the actual country in the Junior Olympics for hockey or something like that. They call they call it the uh, the Goodwill Games, and okay. um, as being the head coach of this Junior Olympics hockey team, Gordon Bombay gets like bombarded with sponsorship money and like just okay. becomes a total sellout. And okay. all of his all of his players wind up hating him. They all can't stand him. They're like, "You're a sellout." He starts slicking back his hair. He's he giving us Pat Riley. Pat Riley, yeah, yeah like okay. he like all he right. actually like you know based some of his character off of off of Pat Riley. Um, they play against. I think Iceland is like the main bad guys there, and uh, you know the bad the bad team that they have to overcome. <laughs> I like dates. why is yeah. Iceland catching like. How anonymous is Iceland? Why is Iceland catching strays? They're the they're the villains. Um, All right. So so we couldn't do like play... the, the evil Russians. We like, can't do that. <laughs> uh, I, I was surprised that they didn't, but I think it was so that I mean, the money, this is from like thirty years make... ago, right? I think they they did that so that like the 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 movie would make more money around the world. They didn't okay. want to like they didn't want to you know x themselves out from the Russian yes, market. Yes, like so so like you're not too worried about Iceland, the Icelandic so... market. Yeah. Okay. Right. Reconvict but they like your... were stand-ins for Russia. Like it was pretty okay. clear. Like what right. they were going for. Okay. There. All right. Um. So they so they they um, at one point even uh Gordon Bombay is like kind of sort of dating the Icelandic like trainer and stuff like that. This like what just is going on? Gorgeous. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna get you to watch this movie no you're so, not but i like this you are absolutely not but i am enjoying this recap this so, fucking siskel and ebert over here 
<laughs> so they they're like they're like uh they're trying to they're trying to get ready for this thing and they're like underperforming this this junior olympics hockey team okay. that was based almost solely in minnesota for some reason um with a couple like people that were that were pulled from around the country okay and and they're kind of underperforming in this tournament and at one point they have this like they have this like at what point did they moment. win the the in-season tournament <laughs> They lower, yeah. That 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 uh that banner also hanging in crypto.com arena. Okay. So um so they they have this like come to Jesus moment between the coach and the team, and and the coach is like, What is wrong with you people? And then finally the players like like yell back at him, You're the problem, coach, you're the sellout. And they like have this, and and he kind of like realizes, Oh my god, I've been the problem this whole time. And I kind of feel like we have to have that scene with Darwin and the Lakers, where like He's like, he keeps on saying like, you guys aren't running fast enough. You aren't gritting your teeth hard enough. You aren't rotating fast enough. You aren't, you aren't doing all these things. And, and I think finally it's gonna, it, it's finally, it's, it's kind of has to come to this breaking point um, between the, the Darwin and, and the locker room where it's like, no Darwin, like you haven't trusted us all season. You haven't communicated with us all season. You haven't done these things, and it's actually your problem. You are why we are in this spot. And he's gonna have to stop dating the Icelandic uh trainer, and he's soda, gonna have to appears. <laughs> he's gonna have to reject all of his sponsorship money. Um, and that's soda kind of appears. and that's kind of where where um I think the starting point to rebuilding that bridge is going back to last year's starters. I agree, Aaron. Like, there's a reason to be nervous about playing Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis in the same front court together, because that really does put a lot of the onus on your shooters, you know, only being basically Austin and D'Lo there. And you have to hope that LeBron shooting keeps up. Um, I do still am. I, I do still worry against some backcourts, uh, you know, having Austin and D'Lo there together, that there isn't enough defense there between the two of them to really compete. Like there are questions to be asked about this group. It's just that we haven't even had the opportunity to ask or wonder about them, let alone answer them. And we're going on 50 games into the season. They've actually played 50 games so far. If you count that fake IST game, the the, the final that they played in. And so like, I, I think if, if what it comes down to is, is if you are going to uh, start to regain your, your footing in this locker room, and it might be, it might be too far gone. You look at some of these clips and you look at some of these faces and, and and you hear some of the stuff that I've relayed over the course of, of the season as it pertains to communication in the locker room and communication even on the court while the game is going on. It might be too far gone, but it has to start here. And it has to start really with Darwin looking at himself in the mirror and, and, and holding himself accountable in ways that he hasn't to this point. And that, like, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about is, is if I thought we were just going to play, you could just tell me more white people movies. Cause the, the chat wants a white people shit segment to come back. So I, we can't yeah. just talk about movies I haven't seen. Um, Look, that, that is a running segment. That's one of our more popular ones. Um, okay. We will come back to it. Okay. But like, I'm curious though, like when, when there's an important, entity in an organization who just like refuses to hold themselves accountable and and it and and there is that sense that there's a lack of trust with that person whether it's a coach whether it's somebody in the front office whatever it is whatever the situation might be is that something that can be gotten back 
Well, so <laughs> there are some assumptions that you are making. You are so you are presenting. Some I'm saying generally speaking. I'm not fact. saying in this case. Yes. Um, is it something? So, I guess we have to make a distinction between what is said in public and what is actually said. Right. Uh, um, Darwin has at times, in my opinion, at least, put his foot in his mouth. Um, with some of the things he said publicly, but that doesn't necessarily mean that is what is being said privately. Um, mm -hmm. So no, but if somebody isn't taking accountability, that's hard. Another part of it though, that is like, these are all like grown men and pretty, like pretty self-aware people and have uh, a good sense of what's going on. So yes, Guys don't like it if a coach throws them under the bus. Like, guys don't like that. But they also don't like, they, and they can see through phony, right? So if a coach was saying, like, if he was taking it, <clears throat> excuse me, if he was taking it all on himself, but the messaging behind the scenes was different, and it, was, it, it, it felt too. like an act, guys like that even less. Like, guys want authenticity, even if it's, not great guys want authenticity. So, I mean, no, if, if it's kind of the same, the same question as I said earlier, or the same answer I gave earlier, if, if guys are out, they're just, they're out. And that doesn't, that doesn't come back. Um, if you're, you know, as, as you were suggesting, there's a lack of accountability. And if it gets to the point where guys are like, cause it's about trust, right? If the guys just don't trust anymore. And once that's gone, it's gone again, though, every season is different. It doesn't mean it's gone permanently, but if that is the case in this case, I do think it's gone or not in this case, specifically in any case, it is gone for at least that season. Do you think that's something that if it's gone, like even in a season, you think it can be gotten back? uh like the following season because yes. i feel like if that yes if, because if every that... season because every season is different and even if even if you know whatever there's two different players right is that even something if... you'd want to risk though from an organizational standpoint this guy's lost the locker room once do we really want to let him run it back and different conversation lose it again different conversation okay. um and again like and the chat is the chat is has is, is speaking to this a little bit but um let's take like take this situation in, in milwaukee with adrian griffin getting fired that's a like so here's how i would here's how i would describe it in that in in milwaukee Giannis Giannis fired adrian griffin and maybe a little bit of dame but Giannis fired adrian griffin but that doesn't mean that Giannis hired doc specifically so like if the team was out the team is going to be led by its leaders how redundant is that right and we've seen this with lebron before he he lebron is a huge personality and he throws his weight around when necessary he doesn't he'll tell you he doesn't but he's that's not the truth lebron throws his weight around when necessary so i mean it's you're going to take the cues the team is going to take its cues from lebron and understandably so i haven't seen him say anything about his little, you know, ticking whatever sand of the hourglass, his hourglass tweet. 
maybe he's going to do the same thing like like Christian Wood and say it had nothing to do with nothing, right? Like it was I was talking about something else. Maybe he was, I don't know, but I certainly understand. Christian's, Christian's like Christian needs to to like he needs training on this. Yeah, do, you, do you normally tweet before the game? I don't. Uh, all right. Well, then, and then what? and then and then it's like and then right, it's man. like what? oh by the way I would like to play more. Yeah. <laughs> no, then I, I like the oh I'm I meant to I meant to I saw something that was really funny and I meant to quote tweet. Well, what was it? I don't know. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, all right, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, but do you, oh, so is that like a common thing that you you tweet? You know, no, not really. Thirty minutes before the game, no. He might have. Been, All right, like Darwin might have been. I mean, if something the, was that funny, I want to know him. what it was. I, I yeah. want to laugh too. Uh, so yeah, I don't, again, I don't know what LeBron's tweet was, and there's lots of people that think that LeBron, you know, is kind of passive aggressive in these sorts of things and uses social media to try to get messages across. So. If that's what he's doing, fine. But um, they're gonna. Everybody is gonna take their cues from LeBron in this sort of thing because that's the way of the NBA world. LeBron is. Everybody takes their cues from. It's LeBron and Seth, and everybody takes their cues from them. So, I yeah. So I mean, the the question is: Is LeBron out? That's really the question. Has LeBron like has he uh, given up? Is not you know is not right. But has LeBron quite quit? Um, that's that's the only question because if that's the case then and i don't think he has but if and when he does then then there's your answer some of those clips and still images yeah i mean like you know the little side eye kind of thing yeah i mean i i get look if it's, maybe some of that is confirmation bias and people yeah think there is sure. something so you're taking it and and framing it a certain way um, but I do think it's fair to, I mean, look, I'm not a body language expert, so I don't like reading into all sorts of things, but if you think that maybe we have gotten to a point where LeBron has had whatever, it, then I do think you do have, there, those things are evidence. It's fair to say mm, those, those things don't look great. Those are not positive indicators. It may be confirmation bias, but I do understand. Like if it was Normally, I'd be like, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> you guys are idiots. Um, yeah. But I do think it's fair to kind of look at those things and ask some questions. This is something I'm legitimately curious about, Aaron. And you can yes. sip on unnamed cognac if uh -oh. you want. Um, I'll have it ready. Hold on, just in case. Well, so the front office puts this roster together and the, and the, and the idea is that you're going to build off of last year. You're going to build with continuity. You're going to really focus on that for the first time this season, really in the LeBron James era. Right. Yes. And everybody seems really excited about that concept, except it seems like the head coach missed the memo, like that email bounced back or something like that. And the only person who doesn't really seem office. to have, <laughs> by like yeah, it was just, yeah for whatever reason that like you know darwin forgot to check his phone that specific day and has missed the memo ever since and like if i'm a front office that's put that puts this roster together and i don't think it's a bad roster at some point i would like check in on darwin and be like hey like why like i would at least have some conversations with him there 
why isn't this taking place? And I'm not saying I'm not here saying that that hasn't happened. Well, I, hasn't are you saying are you order? saying the lineup specifically? Well, just the, the just like lineup? relying relying on those guys enough, right? Whether it's starting them, whether it's using them at all, because they've played thirty some odd minutes total so far this year, and nineteen of them came in the same game. A game, by the way, they won against yes. your Golden State Warriors. The team um, my youth, easy, <laughs> easy. But easy. like. But like this is the thing that like this is the thing that is really kind of my driven me kind State of insane Warriors. because like what am, what am I wearing my Golden State Warriors? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? My all right. So you guys can't see it. It's in my. I normally have my hat over here, but you guys can see. There's there's usually a Dodgers thing there, right? I'm a huge Dodgers fan. Mm-hmm. I greatly respect the way that the Dodgers do their business, Baseball's even if it hasn't stupid. led to. I don't even like it. Baseball. Is stupid. Baseball stupid. I, I, but like I, the front office oftentimes with the Dodgers gets heat for like too much um, input with coaching decisions and too much mm-hmm. input on on rotations and stuff like that. Um, but I would personally, I would personally prefer that and have any conversation there whatsoever versus what is appeared to be this season, where it seems like you have. There's a disconnect there between front office and head coach where the front office and organization preach continuity, building on last year, doing all those things. And then the head coach has moved away from it. And there's been an over-reliance on Torian Prince. There's been an over-reliance on, on Cam Reddish. And, and I'm curious, like, have you heard or seen any of those conversations like what why yes or or, or in your prior experience no that, yes like, no no like hold on no 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 there wouldn't hold be on. there yes yes okay have i had those conversations yes and but, nothing comes of them no 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 i uh so i i think the baseball thing is kind of is is different because like baseball is a series of individual matchups Mm-hmm. Um, and what one, what one person does, like what one hitter does, doesn't have anything to do with what the next hitter does basically. Right. They're not like, they're not combined functions. Um, so it's a little bit different, but the organization, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for the organization. Um, Darwin gets to make those decisions. He makes the lineup decisions. And if he doesn't, get to then like if you if you get to a point where you say where the front office or people in the front office or ownership or whoever is mandating who is playing then like the coach is done um so darvin makes those decisions darvin makes lineup decisions and it, it doesn't mean that there is no input from people there's no suggestions there's no going over strategy there's no going over analytics and talking it through but ultimately like simply in play, simple and plain it's darvin's decision and it should be darvin's decision and he shouldn't have to agree with me or rob or anybody else he decides who he's playing and he should decide who he's playing i don't agree with what he's been doing i don't agree with the lineup choices there are other people around the team that also or in the organization that also would do something different but like, could somebody force Darwin to play X, Y, and Z? Sure. But once you get there, like, what's the point of any of it, right? Like, the coach is done. If 
if they are not, if that's something they are not in charge of, they're done. And, you know, it, and just because there are going to be disagreements, right? And this happens, there's all, this is all the time. Like different people are going to have different opinions yeah. about how things should be, even within an organization. Who's to say I'm right? Who's to say Rob is right? Who's to say whoever is right? Um, well, the results, oh, that's why you have, Ham has been wrong. Sure. But that doesn't mean I'm right. Right. That doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean my idea is the correct one just because I have one doesn't mean it's right. Um, I would like to find out <laughs> if I'm right, but, that, <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean that I am right. It does that yeah. like, and so, yeah, I mean, like, look, and, and here's the other thing with, with coaches and you and I've talked about this a lot. We talked about this going back with Frank is that, and with Darwin a lot last year is that coaches have blind spots, right? They're humans and coaches have blind spots and they have yeah. often an over-reliance on something, whether it's mm -hmm. a certain player, whether it's a philosophy and coaches by nature are stubborn. So Darwin, I mean, look, is, is Torian playing too much? In my opinion, yes. Doesn't mean I'm right, but in my opinion, yes, he has relied on Torian too much. Um, or he's relied on Torian too much in circumstances that don't, don't best suit Torian, I guess is how I would put it. Um, I, the cam thing, I also think he's relied, but right. It was Frank. It was Avery Brad, like coaches have their security blankets, whether it's, whether it's their system that they believe in, um, you know, defensive coverages, offensive pet plays, players, whatever. Um, this that's, and that's every coach. I do think that Darwin has fallen into some over-reliance on things that have not so far this year really worked. Um, but it doesn't mean any of us are right, right? It doesn't mean I wanted to start Torian at the beginning of the year. I thought Torian should start. Um, I guess I was happy to be right. And some of what Torian has done is, is I think, the reasons why I thought he should start the year. But... It like defensively with Austin and D'Lo combined with him, it just hasn't been good enough. He he has not been able to make up for Austin and D'Lo's shortcomings defensively. So, I mean, I, I, to answer your question, those conversations have been had. Yes, but I also don't think that anyone should impose dictate. or force, yeah, or dictate line lineups, rotations, starters, closers on a coach because like if a general manager or a president of basketball operations or a consultant or whoever is saying, this is who we're starting period, then like the coach is he's done. <laughs> like the coach is gone. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think with the Dodgers, for example, I don't think Friedman says like, this is who you are starting. This is who you are doing. Like this is, I have heard of that in baseball, by the way, where like, no, you are playing this person, this platoon against lefties. This person is playing, period. Well, you're, you're A's, right? In the Moneyball movie, right? They traded a guy because the coach was overly reliant on that player and wasn't playing the guy that the stats said that they should, uh, that he should lean on I more. Never, I never you know? seen that. Moneyball white people shit, too. I never seen that. <laughs> I feel like I really think that like movies you haven't seen is white people shit. Like that's just what it's probably. Be. Actually, I just don't watch movies that much. <laughs> I don't watch movies that much. Like Tyler Perry could movie, move, watch, make a movie that you are interested Tyler in. Tyler Perry is like, the, basically the definition of white people shit. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> true. Watching a Tyler Perry, how dare you? Yeah.
How that's dare true. you? I have not seen a second of any Tyler Perry movie. That's I know that's a bad example. I got to I got to find a better example. All right, I'm going to I'm going to think if it's just some movie it. I haven't seen, then it's just what is that then we just deem it. As, <laughs> okay. Now you make me sound like Roz, who like literally just hasn't <laughs> seen or done anything. I just I just don't watch movies that much. See, I've, I've reached the age where I wait for movies to read, like to hit whatever streaming platform that they that they appear on. And so I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I saw Barbie because it's I on Max already. I have not seen. Nope, I ain't seen that. I'm going to see Killers of the Flower Moon at some point, but it's four hours. So I've never heard of that. All right. Let's let's. I still haven't seen John Wick four yet. And John Wick is that that John Wick is my shit. And I have not seen John Wick four yet. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's move on to the deadline stuff. I think we've, right. we've pretty much, um, squeezed every bit of juice from the stone that is Darvin ham, but, uh, from reports that are out there right now. And from what I have heard, <clears throat> the prices that these sellers have attached to their players is still astronomical even compared to typical years now sitting a week out from the trade deadline and so like Woj said the other day or said um i believe in a report for for sports center that uh the lakers organization and that lakers fans should be bracing for a relatively quiet deadline um and i've heard a lot of the same stuff that uh, essentially the Lakers continue to make calls and they are making efforts to upgrade their roster, but that, you know, when you're working in a, in a trade market where Washington won't listen to trade offers for Tyus Jones that don't include a first round pick, I'm sorry, I'm not trading a first round pick for Tyus Jones. I'm not, you know, when you have Dorian Finney Smith, the expectation there is that, you know, Brooklyn is demanding two first round picks for Dorian Finney Smith not paying that price. I'm not. So like normally, you know, if I, if I was just to say stands any context whatsoever that the Lakers aren't going to upgrade this roster in the trade market, um, that would normally annoy me. But given what I know and given what I've heard about, like what these teams, Boyan Bogdanovich, like the fact that the, that the Pistons are, are expecting Austin Reeves in a trade for Boyan Bogdanovich is, is what I've heard. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's just, I'm not doing that. So um, as it stands right now, and these things are always, you know, moving targets as we talk about them. But as it stands right now, it seems like the Lakers, it, it, you know, probably going to make a, a smaller move on the margins, maybe a couple tweaks here and there. But for the most part, like foundational changes to this roster, I wouldn't quite expect right now, given where prices currently sit. And like, Aaron, these prices are insane. Like these, the the asking prices on on a lot of these plays are just are just out of out of this world. These these Mm -hmm. general managers are out of their minds. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know, like I know that, you know, these are asking prices. These are not paid prices that we're talking about here. Um, and maybe as we get closer to the deadline, those prices are going to drop. But I, I think it's also a possibility that we just won't see very much like movements at all. Like the, that, that these prices are just too high and these, 
the the GMs and the managers, uh, the the president of basketball operations that are running these uh, teams that should be sellers are are operating. I'm not going to say in bad faith because you're just negotiating, but I do think that these asking prices are just unrealistic right now. Yep. <laughs> and that'll do it. Yep. Uh, I do. I think it's possible that league wide. I think it's possible that we have seen the most movement already. The biggest, uh, the biggest fit, you know, the biggest trades I think have probably happened already. Um, asking prices are very, very high right now. Um, I'm, you know, one of my, the tenants or one of my pet phrases that I always mm-hmm. uh, say on your show and elsewhere is that deadlines create action and create activity. So people are allowed to have high prices now when you're faced with, wait, I'm actually not going to trade whoever and he might walk or, you know, whatever, or I'm keeping him and I don't get to get off that money or whatever it is, you know, closer to a week from now that those prices will come down. Definitely. Will they come down to a level that a lot of movement happens? Maybe not. Um, Excuse me. Part of it is I think this season, I mean, it's been, there's been an uptick um, with the flattening of the lottery odds and with, um, with the, I think this new CBA has really, scared some like a lot of these teams whether it's the second apron whether it's the uh, it's the second salary apron. floor it's what? the second apron <clears throat> well that the is. salary floor i've heard is, is also it, no it is that is that is yes. really but like, that is but them. that is allowing more teams to take on money because they're gonna have to um so the flattening of the odds and the institution of the um of the playing games has made more teams feel like they have a chance or it's not worth tanking. But even this year, I think is more than the last couple of years that we've seen. I think there are more buyers this season than there have been before, which allows the small group of sellers to charge prey, right? Supply and demand to charge uh, whatever they feel like they're going to charge. I do think it's going to, the prices will come down a little bit as we get closer to the deadline, but I do. I think it's very possible we have already seen the bulk of the moves, and I, I don't think it's coincidental that there have been these moves much earlier than is typical. You know, December and January are not generally. There's not a lot happening around the NBA as far as as far as trades, and you know everything generally happens if, from like now till the deadline, and that has not been the case. I mean, like the biggest move that happened before the deadline last season was Rui for the second round picks. So as it relates to the Lakers, I do think that I I do what, what you were saying is, is I think more and more likely to be correct. I don't know that there's going to be some seismic change, um, you know, changing the entire roster here coming up. Um, I do think it's still possible, but I think it's less likely than it was, from my perspective, it's less likely than it was a couple weeks ago, and it's for the reasons that you just mentioned. The other part of this, too, right, is that, uh, you know, so I had Scotto on the show earlier this week um, mm-hmm. of, of Hoops Hype, and we talked about Gabe's standing um, within the league 
And I was surprised that this didn't get aggregated more that like, apparently other executives around the league are just like nervous about heat role players and what they're going to do in their system rather than what they do in the heats system. Um, but, uh, like Gabe feels like an opportunity to upgrade the roster. Cause I don't know how available he is going to be here for the rest of the season. He feels like that, that rare opportunity to turn rotation money into a rotation upgrade without sending out rotation minutes. Right. So he's at like 10 ish million uh, dollar uh, contract. You combine him with say like cams and you could bring in a 15 ish million dollar player. Um, and, or, or like, you know, you send him and like Jackson Hayes out. Right. And I know Hayes is somebody the teams are reluctant to bring on because he has that player option for next year that the teams aren't thrilled about. Um, but you, you send those kinds of players out and you bring in somebody who could help you more likely than those guys appear to be, um, you know, how likely it is that those guys are going to help. Um, and it, it like makes me also think about, you know, potential opportunities missed by not keeping Beasley and not keeping Lonnie and not keeping Bamba um, and the decisions and the, and the direction that the Lakers went in there where, um, you know, because they signed Prince, some of that decision was made for them, but I still would have preferred to keep those guys on there to have expiring money because one thing that we're learning in this new CBA is how much more valuable expiring money is than players with even one extra year attached to their deal or players with like a player option on their deal that those guys, like if you're talking, if you had the same two of the same exact player and one guy had an expiring contract and one guy had even a player option for next year, teams are like teams value that guy with that expiring contract a lot more right now because of this new CBA and because of how scared a lot of these teams are from the financial and practical repercussions of exceeding the various aprons in it. And uh, I, you know, this is where I was really hoping the Lakers would maintain some of their expiring money on their books because right now, because the Lakers have basically no expiring money, right? You could say D'Angelo Russell, but he has a player option. Um, and they have one-year minimum contract type guys, but they aren't, uh, you can't stack enough of them to bring in a guy uh, who, who would help you because it's just, they're just minimum contracts. So because the Lakers have like no expiring money on their books, I think that's also really limited how teams see their offers right now. And my, my question to you, Aaron, is like a lot of times we see reactions and overreactions to the CBA. Is there any kind of reaction to this CBA that you have found kind of ridiculous? Like, is there any, have you seen an overreaction to the CBA at all? Do you, have you found maybe any potential like market inefficiencies based on the way that these teams are reacting to this new CBA? Um, maybe, I mean, because teams are terrified of the almost exclusively, um, terrified of the second apron. Um, and so teams are, really trying to get off of money and 
duck it. So if you're willing to take on some money, either if you're at the top of the league and, and or not top of the league, the top of the salary structure and don't care as much and are willing to kind of flirt with that, I think you can get away with some things. Or if you are towards the bottom and are willing to just take on terrible money um, for draft capital, um, I think that is a place where there are some market inefficiencies. But this the the new CBA is having a real effect on the trade market and on the way uh, teams are building their rosters out. Is it an, is it like, I don't, is it a good thing? I'm not sure. Um, Is it, is it going to be better for the game? Is it going to lead to more equity? I'm not sure about that. Um, I do think it's good that, you know, like Charlotte is not just going to get to just wait on, take, take on just not, not spend any money and just, you know, survive on the tax distributions to everybody. But yeah, I, I, it, it is definitely having an effect on the, the marketplace and I'm not sure it's a good effect, but the new CBA and especially this trade deadline, because next year um, is when all of the punitive stuff from, from the second apron gets phased in. So I, I partially, I think that's why we've seen more stuff happen early. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love the new CBA and I'm surprised at some of the parts of it, but I, I like, this is a Lakers show. And as it relates to the Lakers, um, the hard cap is also an issue for the Lakers this year. And and you've mentioned, you know, the Lakers maybe wanting to, you know, shed a couple million and get under the tax. Um, it's also a possibility um, if you can, if the Lakers can do so without, you know, materially hurting the roster. I think that makes some sense because it, it um, you know, changes the calculations of how many years in a row and three out of four that you're in the tax and what the penalties become. But I mean, it's a Lakers show. And as it relates to the Lakers, I am less convinced than I was a couple weeks ago that something meaningful is going to happen at the deadline. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> you know, it's a combination of a bunch of stuff. And, like, I find myself, you know, annoyed at the market, obviously, because I would yes. like to see some some stuff happen. And that's where, like, you know, my biases kick in. Um, I'm still reporting the same information. I'm just annoyed as I report it, essentially. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, like... You know, this is, you know, I, I would love to be able to tell everybody that I think the Lakers are getting ready to make some Grand Slam, um, you know, trade or whatever like that. I just I just don't see it in the cards right now, given what I've I've heard about this market and given what I've heard about these asking prices. I do tend to think that, you know, like Atlanta, for example, just yeah, just pull one out at random Atlanta, for example. OK. <laughs> <laughs> just, just mention a, just a team at random Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, it's just totally, totally random. Yep. But like, all right. So Atlanta is a team that the Lakers have had conversations now for like a month. Like the, their conversations with Atlanta have stretched for a long time now. Longer and than And they've come and they've go and they've, 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 they've taken place and they've made momentum and then they've stalled out. Right. And all these things. And like for Atlanta, for example, they've already traded Kevin Herter 
to skirt the tax and uh, seen him positively impact the situation around him in Sacramento. Um, they had uh, gosh, the center. Why am I blanking? Jordan. Wait, this... no. The 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 guy. Collins? You're talking about Collins. Collins, yeah. John Collins, yeah. What's John Collins? Thank John you. Collins, yeah. yeah. So they've had they had John Collins on their books, and they were trying to trade him for multiple years. They waited yes. so long that basically traded him for a half-eaten day-old ham sandwich. And ham um, is delicious. I like ham. I love ham. A ham sandwich I, is a good sandwich. Not thrilled with ham, the coach, but like I love ham in in like sandwiches. A ham sandwich um, is a good sandwich. Yeah, no mayonnaise. We'll put like no mayonnaise. Half eaten and a day yeah. old. Why does it have to be half eaten and a day old? Can it be either? Yeah. That's what they gave up. That's what right, Utah okay. gave up to get him. That's what they got. Yeah. No, um, just, yeah that was and, just a straight like, salary dump. Yes. Yeah. And and so like from Atlanta. By the way, he's been here. Uh, What's that? He's been good in Utah now that they're playing him at center. He's been good. Yeah. He's always been a good player. Anyway. But so like they 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 lose both of those guys to like legitimate positive impact players for like very, very, very little. They've not anything. received any benefit from it yet. There's there's like draft capital that hasn't happened yet, but they have not received anything positive for their roster yet. Right. And and like if I'm Atlanta and I've made those two mistakes with those two players by, you know, in, in Herder's case, trading him a little too early just for salary to get under the salary tax or in Collins case, trading him way too late and giving him up for basically nothing. Like, I know that there are some concerns about bringing on D'Angelo Russell and pairing him with Trey Young. And I know that there are some concerns, like the the, the Hawks picked Bufkin over Hood Shafino for a reason, right? They really like Bufkin, and he's been better this year as a rookie than Hood Shafino has been. But, um, you know, I mean, still... I, I mean, I guess... I mean, well, I mean, I guess one guy has actually played more than the other. Yes, that's so. fair. But like um, Buffkin has not done a ton either. I think I just saw him put up 40 points the other night in, in a G League game. Um, okay. How about I, I, you, you know, you, you might, done. you might be, like, you might be able to average 15 in a G League. The, the only, I, I could not, um, but, <laughs> but, but like, uh, like you, you say that Fino has been uh, has not done those kinds of things in, in even the G League. But so um, the, 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 the reason I'm saying all of this is because like, yeah, sure. It's not like it's not Austin Reeves and they're demanding they're, they're They've they've been uh, very adamant about getting Austin Reeves in a DeJounte Murray trade. And I understand why it's the best thing that the Lakers have to offer here. But if my choice is getting Austin Reeves back for DeJounte Murray or getting nothing and eventually trading DeJounte Murray for pennies on the dollar when I'm up against the, the luxury tax and my ownership is telling us that we absolutely have to get under the luxury tax, my choice would be taking taking on D'Angelo Russell, ta- you know, getting Hood Shafino, getting that 29 first. And 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 being okay with it, and yeah, that is something that they'll look at again as we get closer to the deadline. But it's crazy to me how stubborn all of these GMs tend to be, and how all of them wind up regretting it down the road. Where Van Vliet leaves Toronto for nothing, they trade Pascal Siakam for technically three first round picks or whatever, but none of them are going to be any good. And and OG Ananobi goes, and I don't think they got any first round capital for him either. 
So like they didn't, but they got two real NBA players, but they did not. They did. There was, sure. There, there was no first round pick in that deal. But remember, like for a while there, the expectation when they traded OG and Anobi was going to be multiple first round picks. Good yeah, first round got, pick. They got offered three first round picks for him. last. Yeah. Year. And Boyan, right? They, the, you know, the Pistons sat on Boyan last year and, and uh, turned down multiple first round picks for him. And I don't know. I, I just feel like to me, the market in uh, the, the market inefficiency that we've seen here from from uh, managers of teams that are clearly not going anywhere is being concise, being deliberate, and making that tough call while the offer is what it is, even if it isn't the perfect uh, the perfect offer, because we know that those offers fall off of a cliff the for the longer that you wait on these things. That that to me. And again, this is where my own biases are, 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 are impacting my analysis because I would like to see the Lakers with DeJounte Murray. But to me, the, the data here supports the findings that the longer that you wait in all of these cases, the worse those offers are going to get. And don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And, and, um, and, and yeah, I, I think when I, when I look at all of the asking prices for a lot of these sellers, that's been my takeaway is that like Danny Ainge has fooled a whole bunch of people into thinking that they can get like the moon for even at like an okay role player. Cause like Dorian Finney Smith is good, but he's not incredible. I, you trade multiple first round picks for incredible players. <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich is good. But he's not freaking great. I moved Austin Reeves for a great player. You know, DeJounte Murray is good but you're getting a, an okay stand in and D'Angelo Russell who like is capable of runs that we just saw him go on recently. And, and, and the longer that you hold off on these decisions, these tougher decisions granted the the worst that that return winds up being. Um, all right. My last, my well, last no, one thing, wanted... one thing as it relates to Atlanta, I think, yeah, I'm going to not be specific here, but I think one of the, complicating factors in Atlanta negotiations is they, the, the person that you just mentioned, they traded for him pretty recently and gave up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so them just kind of like admitting that was a bad move versus what can they get back for him at this point, I think is not, I think is a complicating factor in this as well. Yeah. You don't want to take that L, you know, when, when it's, when it's like when, when the previous, uh, what you, what the previous price is right there, you don't want to immediately turn around and yesterday's and, and price is not up. today's price. <laughs> but, but that's my point though, Aaron, isn't it? Like it, you know, the longer that you wait on these things, like the, the Spurs I'm sure are thrilled that they traded Murray when they did. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure. Like the, you know, the, 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 the Jazz are thrilled that they traded Donovan Mitchell and and Rudy Gobert when they did. And the longer that these that these uh, general managers sit on these like decent assets, like good to decent assets, the the worse that that return inevitably becomes. And like these asking prices right now are just ludicrous. It's just it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, especially given how quickly and how steep that drop-off is. And maybe these teams have decided that they would rather watch a player walk for nothing than take on longer-term money because of this new CBA. Altogether, 
their reasoning or whatever. But to me, you do that. And yeah, you don't have that longer term money on your books, but that longer term money eventually expires and you can turn those that that expire expiring money into further assets also down the line after you get your initial return on the player that you trade now. So I don't, I don't know. I've just been really frustrated with how I've heard all of these um, GMs are kind of conducting their business right now because it just doesn't make any real sense to me. So I think the one thing that the CBA has done is change the calculation on salary slots, right? Like mm -hmm. um, oh, we're, we've been talking about D'Lo, but when D'Lo uh, or when, when KD left the Warriors, they, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how Bob Myers did this, but he convinced KD to agree to a sign and trade and the Warriors got D'Lo back. And the reason they did that was not because they wanted D'Lo, it was because they wanted to keep the salary slot available yeah. to them, which they then used to trade for Wiggins and the pick that became Kaminga. And they're facing it this year again with, you know, they, they traded Jordan Poole for CP3 because CP3, is well he's not expiring but he's uh non-guaranteed for next year and so the question is it, are they going to trade cp3 for more longer term money just to keep that salary spot available to them because if cp3 walks then that vanishes and they cannot replace that whatever whatever it is 30 something million dollars so i do think that is a calculation you're talking about how teams are hesitant to even take on like a second year of money and um with with a player option or with whatever i do think that that has been a consequence or maybe unintended consequence of the cba is that expiring money is really really popular because teams are hesitant to do things just to keep a salary slot available to them that they can do something with later because that later maybe after the second apron hits you and you can't then and then your hands become tied yeah that's fair and you know quietly this didn't get any buzz whatsoever but quietly the salary cap dropped um, yeah well it didn't no the salary cap did not drop the salary cap it's next year salary cap is one million less than the previous projections but the salary cap is still going up it's just one million less than they they thought it might. Yeah, but 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 you know, coming in under um, projections, right? That's like quarterly reports when a when a company yeah, comes yeah, in. Yeah, but saying the salary cap drop makes it seem like next year's know, salary but, uh, cap is right. lower than this year's salary cap, which mm -hmm. is no. All right, but they but the 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 salary cap has dropped in its projections from next year yeah, that are still million. higher than the, this year. All yes. you know, what you said is is correct, but. You know, again, we just keep it's seeing cost, it's going to cost Kawhi like five million dollars. It we we keep seeing like example after example after example, quiet little example after quiet little example of like, hey, maybe just maybe this thing isn't necessarily moving in the way that that Adam Silver would like us to believe. The last thing I wanted to get to um, before we get everybody out of here, if you have time for it, Aaron, sure. Um, is I don't think my sister's giving birth yet? We're good. That's good. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the 65 game uh, minimum mm -hmm. and uh, the impact that it potentially had on Joel Embiid, who was now going to be out for a little bit after he got hurt um, the other night against the Warriors. Seemed like a freak play. I don't know why I would hold that against the 
he was no, I wouldn't either. Player. I don't know why he was playing to begin with, by the way, because he looked diminished yeah. before that. He needs to lose weight. Like, I don't know. Like, we keep on talking around all of this stuff, and like he just he's he has so much weight on all of those bones, and year after year after year, he eventually like breaks down. And it's like, yeah, we could blame the 65 game minimum, we could blame this, we could blame that, we could blame this. But that guy got that guy has to get in shape, like and stay in shape. But anyway, um, and it's easy for me to say, granted, those of you watching. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but, but, but like, I, 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 I do think though, that like, I've been annoyed at the conversation about it. People are angry at the 65 game minimum when a, it was negotiated by the NBPA. Like that was something it that was. they signed off on. And these players are somehow now shocked that it exists and b the point of it is like to get these guys to play more often. And it has been successful in that so successful in it that the Philadelphia fans are angry at how often Joel Embiid was playing in those games. So like, I don't know. I, I, if you didn't, if you, if you're a player and you're angry at it right now, you had the opportunity to turn it down. You had the opportunity to turn down this new CBA, which makes it really, uh, you know, where, where teams are really penalized for go over. Like they essentially, you know, implemented a hard cap while you were watching you negotiated all these things and now i'm seeing all of these guys kind of whine about um a bad deal and i think they fired the 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 head of the nbpa michelle i forget what her name was um who is no longer the head of the nbpa anymore and uh yeah i don't know the way that the way that this conversation is going about joel Embiid specifically here I feel like really lets him off of the hook for continuing to come in with a few too many pounds on, on, on his, on his bones. I think it's an interesting, I think the NBA has put itself in an interesting place with this. Um, the, uh, I was, I was talking with, um, with uh, Bill Ryder who, you know, uh, yesterday um, and he was, in he went to the um the nba offices yesterday and had some meetings with people and was talking had some conversations and um the nba likes what has happened from this rule they are fully behind it and their statistics say that there's been 10 there's a 10 percent reduction in um load management this year which i guess is a good thing i don't think Embiid should have been playing um what was when was that uh, I don't even know what today is. Today's Thursday, Tuesday, I think it was, um, mm -hmm. uh, against the Warriors. I just, he didn't look right even before he re-injured or newly injured, or if you would, uh, if Nick Nurse is to be believed, he newly injured. And they're not related, <laughs> even though they're yeah. same leg and knee, sure, I guess. Um, so I'm just going to say I, this. I don't yeah. trust coaches when they talk about it. No, 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 no. They're covering themselves. No, of course. Um, so I didn't think he should have been playing anyway. I think though the NBA has put it itself in a strange place because yeah, we, we, we all want guys to play more, um, especially on TV games, national TV games. So we all want guys to play more, right? How disappointing was it when he didn't play against Denver? It was a national TV game and it was the great matchup between the two of them. And he didn't play for like the, fifth year fourth or fifth year in a row he did not play joker in denver so mm -hmm. 
so we were all disappointed and how much of the fact that this was another national TV game against the Warriors on TNT and you know, the Warriors and Lakers are the two teams that matter. And that's who everybody wants to watch Steph and LeBron. So did he feel like pressure to come play because it was the national TV game? Did he feel pressure because of the 65 game thing and maybe played before he shouldn't have, which is what it looked like. So to get back to the point I'm trying to make here, I think the league is in a weird place where yes, we want guys to play more and they are trying to have guys play more. And it seems to be kind of working, but now we're whatever, 50, 48 to 50 games into the season for most teams. So a little bit more than halfway through. And we already know the guy who should win the MVP is not going to be eligible to win the MVP. So now we have to have conversations about like, who's the MVP? Well, Joel Embiid is, but he can't be because of some arbitrary rule. See, but like, but even there though, like how valuable are you if you're sitting out a quarter of your season? Yeah, but everybody's like sitting how- out a quarter of the season. Well, no, but like if he is sitting out more than every other candidate, you know, like if if every other MVP candidate is able to hit 65 games, which again, that means you've missed 17 games. That's almost a fourth of your season. That's not like this isn't some insane Herculean effort. I know. I know. But the, the 65 part is like like is I mean, Joker's missed now, I think, three games, two or three games. Um and he's going to win the MVP and he probably should. Um, but like, so the, di- the difference becomes like, what if it's, you know, whatever. Embiid plays 63 games and Giannis or Joker or LeBron or who? Yeah. And what if he, and what if Embiid plays more minutes, right? Like, but because it's yeah. 63 and not 65, like you're not eligible. I think, but I like it. that it's encouraging guys to play more and guys are playing more. And I like that Kawhi and PG are taking the regular season more seriously this year. Like, good. I just, I think it's gone too far where maybe we should just trust the voters to vote on this sort of thing. Like, making guys ineligible is, I don't know. I, I don't think it's having the... Like, I, I, like I, I made this point the other day on Twitter where if you're Embiid and, and you know going into the season that you're going to miss a quarter of the season, you can try that much harder in those games that you're going to be playing and know that you're going to take a couple days off the next day the, the, after that, you know? And but guys want to play. Guys want to play. You know You know why Embiid played? No, he, uh, yeah. he, he, you know why Embiid played in, against the Warriors? Because he wanted to. He didn't look right. And because he guys are going to play every Anthony Davis and LeBron James have been downgraded to out for tonight's game in Austin, by the way, if I, okay, let's we're done here. Let's let's, well, there goes the lineup talk. Yeah, let's fantastic. You will see that. Well, Well, technically I'm right. You will have seen it by now. If you uh, by the time you listen to it, this will not be. I don't. I'm not breaking any news, but you will have seen. No, yeah, yeah it's all. Mode. It's all out oh, there. Yeah, out? breaking news is that is breaking news is that LeBron and AD are both out tonight. Um, did I beat? Did I beat yeah, Shams and Woj by thirty seconds? Um, I I think it all happened like at the same time. Oh, but, all right. Um, I mean, here's your <clears> news, and. It will not be breaking by the time you listen to this. If you if you were listening live, well, more people, watching live, more people then, now are watching it than, yeah, than if listening. If you're watching, but, if you're watching live, then you got. All right. <clears throat> well, 
I mean, I'll, I'll just come out and say it, that had they been healthy, things were lining up to where the Lakers were getting ready to start last year's guys. But correct now that they are not healthy uh, or now that they are not playing, um, that is now out the window when the Lakers are going to get their asses kicked by Boston. So fantastic. Um, all right. That is about all that we have here to talk That's about. All that we the have lounge. the stomach for. Yeah. Um, you can check out uh, my uh, appearance here on All Access Lakers later tonight, where we will be watching that ass kicking with uh, the guys. And then after the game, Raj and I will be talking about the game and talking about the state of things um, Why? here live in the lounge. <laughs> and then, uh, you know what? Sometimes sometimes teams like like this is this could be like sometimes this could be a. I want to look for the right guy. This could be like a Christian Wood, like 36 and 20 night. Some, you know, they're like, this could be a random, wild, random win for no reason. It, it certainly could be. Yeah, probably not. Um, I think Boston has lost one game at home so far this year. D'Lo's so, going to have 46 and Wood's going to have 36 and 20. And a lot of people uh, in Boston, Austin, are gonna be like, will, Austin will take nine charges. Why? Why? Jalen Brown still even, can't dribble with his left hand. Why? Why are the Lakers so stupid to trade that guy Reeves? I would die to have a guy like Reeves on this team. <laughs> <laughs> Celtics fans and the Celtics front office just want Austin and Peyton Pritchard to play one on one to decide it. All right, thank you, everybody and probably the and probably the fate of the country. <laughs> um, uh, a quick a quick also preview. I forgot to mention this earlier in the week, but tomorrow's happy hour is going to be a little different in that I am going it's not to gonna be, be having... all that happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to be having Jason Timpf of oh, uh, Hoops okay. Tonight on like to it. talk about like the state of the Lakers as well tomorrow. So ton of great stuff here coming up on, on the lounge or in the lounge. Please subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast, preferably Odyssey. Um, and please subscribe here if you're watching live on YouTube. Uh, hit that like button, comment away, all that good stuff. And we will be back to talk to you a little bit later tonight. Uh, that was Aaron Marshall. I am Anthony Irwin. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. 